Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. All right. Today's message is called God's Will. God's Will. I have had probably one of the biggest conversations that I've had in my office is the statement coming across the, tab- the table or the, uh, the couch or the t- whatever is, Pastor, I just want to know God's will for me. Can anybody relate to that? I just want to know what God wants me to do. I just want to know God's will. Well, today I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to be that weird, okay? Uh, stand up. Don't tell you no. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to give you the scripture. What the scriptures say about what God's will is for us as individuals. So the big idea is this. We might not know the day or the time of Jesus' return. Remember, First and Second Thessalonians talk a lot about the second coming of Christ. But we can always know God's will for us. Sanctification. We're going to be picking apart that word sanctification today a little bit. People may become fixated on finding out the specifics of God's will, plan, and timetable, especially when it comes to the second coming of Christ. But Jesus himself warned us that we ought not to do that. And God's the only one who knows the time of his return. Matthew 24, 36 says, Now concerning the days and the hours, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son. Not even, he blocked this information even from himself in his corporeal body. He, he said, I don't, I'm not even privy to that information. Only God, except for the Father in heaven. He's, he alone is the one who knows that. So we shouldn't get bogged down in trying to predict his coming back. Now, he tells the, he tells the people of his time, you guys are so crazy, you can, you can tell when the weather's going to change by seeing the signs, but you can't you can't see the move of the Spirit. So, so we can see the signs. We can see the time of, uh, that things are changing, that things are happening in our world. We see it right now on the news just about every day. Not only do we see the, the things happening in the Middle East, but we also see the, the hatred and the vitriol of, of the enemy coming against God's people and against Israel. Okay, so we can see these playing out on our, on our news feeds, and I would encourage you to, to, to take a break from the news feeds. It's not positive. It's not, it's not, you check in every once in a while, check in, see what's going on. It's okay to be informed, but don't get, don't get saturated with this stuff. It's all pretty much tailored to keep you hooked and depressed. All right, so... Just, just a, a word of care from your pastor, okay? I have to do that same thing. So we, we, we can't get obsessed with knowing the times of the end, though we can see the seasons that God has uh, talked about in his word. We can still know God's will for us, with passages like this one clearly indicating that God desires from us what he desires from us in every time and season. Ready? 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is God's will. What do we want to know? God's will. What is it? Your sanctification. If this is God's will, we better know what this word means. Because it's a big word that we don't use very much 
in our current culture. This word sanctification, what does it mean? So here's what it means. Sanctification equals godly living. Wow, that's profoundly simple. Sanctification is godly living. It's taking a step in God's direction. How he would have showed us, shown us how to live. And once we've taken that step, we take another one. And that's sanctification. It's this process of living for God and, and learning and progressing. That's what sanctification is. It's godly living. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 24, it talks about the, this aspect of godly living. And I'm going to break it down in three, because every good sermon has three points. I was told that the other day. I went to another church and I preached. Uh, while Michael was doing his series on Jonah, I went and uh, guest preached at another church to give the pastor a break. And my sermon didn't have three points. The pastor's like, he comes, we went to his house for dinner after. He's like, I noticed you didn't do three points. Was that on purpose? I was like, no. No, I said, no, I just, I don't usually preach off three points. I just preached what I think the scriptures are saying. He's like, oh, okay. All right. right. You do you, man. But today we have three points. Godly living is living honorably. This is part of it. This is not all of it. Honorably, thankfully, and spiritually. These next few verses talk about these three things. Now, there's so much more to sanctification, so many things we can do. But if we cover these things, that, that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22, ta- 24, talk about, we're in, a good, we're in a good place. We're starting well. Okay, so sanctification, we read those again. Honorably, thankfully, and spiritually. Let's do the first one. Live honorably. Live honorably. So open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 12. And we're going to read 12 and 15. And it says this. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. And, be, and, uh, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Okay, so we're going to stop there for a second. Um, Warn those who are idle. But the first part is this. Honor people. Now, you, you may not know this, but just two nights ago, all these chairs were gone, and there was nine banquet tables set up, and we had a A gala. We had an awards gala where we gave away thummies, little trophies that looked like this. Next week, I'll have a little clip for you. You can see what we did. And it was, a, it was an appreciation dinner for all of those people who serve at our church because they put their heart and soul into what they do. They work in the children's ministry. Thank the Lord. Right? Thank, thank the Lord. These kids need it. They're getting bombarded with um, counter-Christian rhetoric and, and, uh, and ideas all week, all day long. It's even worse now with the way that, that, that uh, things are being 
available to them on their, on their devices, things like that. They're, just, they're, they're soaked in a toxic soup of counter-Christian culture. So thank the Lord for Bible teachers who are teaching our kids. And then we got security guys out in the halls. Raise your hand, security man. Yeah, right there. Give me a hand. Those people are there to, to protect you and to protect our kids. There's one out there right now walking the, walking the mall, making sure your kids stay where they're supposed to be by their own volition, volition, or by somebody else's. It was some, one, of the, one of the awards this past week was called the Strong Safety Award because one of the, one of the security uh, staff guys had to, like, run after a kid who escaped and, like, grabbed him and brought him back, right? Just, like, bolting down the mall. Who knows? Maybe going to Target. I don't know. But he was going somewhere. So we <laughs> Thank the Lord for those guys, right? And we have the, the people who work tirelessly to, to, to do the most important jobs in church. Like, like, like make coffee. <laughs> the, guest, the guest services team, they greet you in the morning. They, they, they take care of your needs. They, they, they help you out. They make you coffee. It's the best coffee in Enfield. What about the worship team, right? The ones who are up here. Put their heart and soul into what they do. Look at this guy, right? I'm looking at you. Filming what's going on here so that it can go out on the internet and, and people can, can be exposed to the, the love of Jesus Christ in a different medium. All these things. There's so much more. Operation Christmas Child. Hand-in-hand ministry. There's so many things that we do in this church, and it volunteers. It's done by volunteers. Okay. I love when the Bible says we should honor them. Honor. I love this passage because I'm a strong believer. This is, a, this is one of my big beliefs of living with honor. We don't talk about honor anymore. Honor used to be a big thing. People used to like stand at 10 paces from each other and shoot each other for honor. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just saying it was a big thing. It was a bigger thing than it is today. When we honor, when we are honored and recognized for things we do, it inspires us to invest even more. See, we don't do the things, we don't serve in the church for honor. We serve for God. But when, when we as a culture are an honoring culture, it's a motivating thing for us to move and go farther. Thankfulness, honor are huge in that thing. Um, we need to foster a culture of honor, to be a church of honor. The most important work, think about this. This is why it's so important. The most important work on the planet is entrusted largely to a cooperative volunteer force. Think about that. The most important job on the planet is been given to a cooperative volunteer force. Honor and support is crucial to accomplishing the goal that God has given us. We need to regard one another in love. Okay, let's finish that passage up. It says, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone 
but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. So we should, as a culture, as a church culture, we need to regard one another highly in love. Light a fire under those who are idle. Come on. Comfort those who are discouraged. Help the weak. Exercise patience with the people that you like. That's not what it says. Exercise patience with everyone. Extend buckets of grace. And look out for one another. You are your brother's keeper. We, can just, uh, we can't just focus on our own needs, but we must, like Philippians 4, 2, 4 says, we look every person on the needs of others. That is how they will know that we are disciples of Christ, the way we love each other. And I'm going to let you know a little secret. The way you care for each other is how we win the culture. The culture that exists in here is how we win that culture. I'm telling you, we had to be careful with the bullhorns. Getting in people's faces. Telling them how simple they are. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a place for fire and brimstone sermons and all that stuff, but what I am saying is this. We will not win the culture that way. We may startle the culture into a, uh, but, but mo- we will win the culture. What Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by how you yelling bullhorns in their face. That's not what he says. It's how you love one another. The culture that we develop in here will win the culture out there. That is how we can be like the believers in the book of Thessalonians. All right, moving on. Second point. Live thankfully. Live thankfully. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. And that's what I loved about this morning's worship set. We rejoiced. Scott did his little jumpy thing. I love it. Rejoice always. (laughs) Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. Here we go again. For this is God's what? Will for you in Christ Jesus. It's all it is always God's will for us to pray. And in everything, give thanks. Remember that this letter was written to a group of believers that were, on, were, were holding strong under persecution. You know, so be thankful when everything's going great. But when persecution comes, you let God have it. No, that's not what it says. It says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. What does that mean to us? Have a little bit of perspective. I was talking to somebody just recently, and he goes, he's going through stuff. He's, he's legitimately going through some things, tough, tough things. And he goes, I don't even know how to pray because I want to pray for, for my situation. But I know that there's other people out through the world who have it much worse than I do. He said, I don't even know how to pray. I said, well, let me just, let me just stop you there for a second. That's a really good perspective first off. But in that statement, you're also limiting God, right? 
Because yes, he cares about those people who have it worse than you, but he all, he's big enough to care for your problems as well. Just because it's not their problems doesn't mean it's not your problems. You've never dealt with this before. You've never gone through this. It's hard for you. So own it and talk to God about it. He's big enough. He's big enough. All right? It's always appropriate to, to uh, pray and everything give thanks. Remember that we have to be careful that we, don't, we aren't like fair-weather friends with God. Okay? Now, this doesn't necessarily mean we thank God for the calamities that come in our life. Oh, God, thank you for this miserable thing that's happening. I'm not, that's kind of like gaslighting God. That's crazy. Be real with God. God, this is hard. I don't get this, but I know you're faithful. I'm going to trust you. And if you read the Psalms, they're full of David going, where are you? I'm going through it. Where are you? What's going on here, God? I've been faithful. I've done this. I've done that. And you're not showing up for me. And by the end of that discourse, it always comes around to, you are good. You were there. I didn't see it. You showed up. Not in my timing, but in your timing, you were there. So, guys, be real. I was going to say, don't gaslight God. Be real with him. His shoulders are big enough to take our anger, frustration, and sadness. So we don't thank God necessarily for the calamity, but that he is with us in the midst of our suffering and hardship, and that there is always something to be thankful for. So right now, in your trouble, thank God. He's there. John 16, 33. He's there. I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. You will have suffering in this world. But be, be courageous. I have conquered the world. He really understands. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. In fact, the troubles that you endure have a purpose sometimes. In it, you are displaying the reality of Jesus in the world in a unique way. The kingdom of God is most clearly shown on earth when Christians gracefully suffer present troubles in light of the future weight of glory. Think about it for a second. When does the church explode? In a, in a good way. When is, when is the growth of the church? Usually through persecution. See, we're the people who go into the strife when everybody else is running out. One of the, the greatest things that happens is Christians will put their lives on the line in the middle of panic. You know that in, in, in past, we just went through a, a, a season of, of, I would call it plague. Right? Well, there's been plagues and pestilence throughout the, 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 the years that we've been on this earth. And it's typically Christian organizations that stay and take care. There are people right now who are going into, into war-torn areas in Ukraine, in Israel, things like that, to bring peace, to bring food, to bring, you know, a Convoy of Hope is one of those organizations. Why do we do this? Because we identify with Christ most 
when we graciously suffer for him. That's what Christ did on the cross. Jesus said this, no man takes my life. You can't take the life of God, but I lay it down for many. That's our God. So we, we, we identify. First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that for far outweighs them all. So how can we give thanks in all circumstances? There's only one way. Jesus' way. Hebrews 12.2. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to the joy set before you, if the future joy Jesus promises is real, if you believe it's real, eternity is real, and you believe him, there is no circumstance that can steal your thanksgiving. It's perspective. Perspective. I want us to be a thankful church one of the things in that being said we got to be compassionate church in the fact that like somebody comes in with some real problems you're like please just be thankful (laughs) that's not going to help you'll just hey uh, uh, i don't hear problems just be thankful that's not what it's about but i will tell you this when somebody comes through this door with real issues and you bless them You just gave them something to be thankful for. You might be the miracle that they've been praying for. All right, lastly, live spirit-filled. Live spirit-full. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, we're going to finish this section. Don't, Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Okay, let's dissect that one for a second. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. I love that. We need to be a, a, a people that seeks to be, like we talked about this morning, seeks to be filled with the Spirit. And we can't be a people that despise the spoken word of God. We have to be willing. What does that mean, to despise the prophecy? It means this. You can't take it when the word bumps up against your sin. Okay? When the word bumps up against your sin, you you hold God at arm's distance. Don't. Don't do that. Let the word challenge you. Let the word cause you to change. Let the Holy Spirit identify the truth that is being spoken. Do not stifle. Do not suppress. Do not tamp down the spirit in your life. But here's the flip side of this. Those of us who are actively seeking to be filled with the spirit, you have to also understand that there are other spirits at work. There are other spirits at work. 
We do not live in a uh, material-only universe. There is another realm. If we believe in the Holy Spirit wants to impart his life into us, we've got to understand that there are other spirits that are for, not for us but against us. So that's what the word says. It says, listen to this. Do not stifle the spirit of God, but test all things. Test all things. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. What really bothers me in much of our church culture in the West is the, uh, the pursuit of signs and wonders that bring us to the point of dabbling in places that we ought not to. Much, much of uh, the church today, we have to be careful of the influx of New Age theology coming into the church because things are happening. Signs and wonders are happening. Be careful. I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm not saying they're all evil. But I am saying we need to test all things. Hold on to what is good. There's going to be some good there, right? And stay away from every kind of evil. Like, Pastor, how do I do How do I know? How, how do I know? Know this. Know this. If it ain't in here, this is the rubrics. This is what tells us what is okay and what is not okay. So if it's in here, have at. Be full of it. If it ain't in here, run. I'm not even joking. Even if it's happening in a church, even if it's happening from a church on a podcast that you're listening to, if it's happening and it's not from this, it ain't for us. Okay? So we have to be careful. We have to be Bereans. Paul, Paul told, the, uh, he, he praised the Berean church for testing all of the things that was going on that Paul was teaching through the word. And they, all they had at that point was the Old Testament, and they were able to do a good job with it. Okay? So, yes, hold to, we need to be full of the Spirit of God. We need to be careful that we do not entertain other spirits. Okay, it's always God's will for us to walk in the Spirit, obeying His promptings according to His Word. Now, the word quench in this verse 19 is taken from the Greek word sabotomy. Sabenemy, sorry, sabenemy, meaning to extinguish, smother, suppress, douse, put out, snuff out, or to quell. I think you get the idea. Okay? It most often means to extinguish a fire by dousing it with water. What, how do we do that? In some places, it means to evaporate or to dry up. To evaporate or to dry up. Rich Renner writes it this way. And I want to give you, it's from his book, um, Sparkling Gems. He says this. There's no doubt about what Paul is trying to tell us. If we ignore the Holy Spirit's voice enough and often enough, eventually we will become spiritually hardened and will no longer be able to hear him when he does try to speak to us. 
it will be like his voice evaporates or dries up. And we will hear it no more. Dr. Hanley Mall says this. Uh, he was the great Anglican bishop of the past generation. He said this. The difference between someone who is quenching the Spirit and someone who is allowing the Spirit to have free course in their life is the difference between a, a, a well in which there is a spring of water choked and a well in which the obstruction is removed so that the water springs up and fills the well. If we are choked by fear, resentment, indecision, self-centeredness, then we are suppressing the Holy Spirit who resides in us in order to free us. See, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit, you have acted, the Holy Spirit comes in and fills you. And it's, it's up to us to understand that we can either unleash that and let that flow through our lives, or we can plug that source. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit uh, have his way with you. Let the Holy Spirit. So what I often said to people is this. The difference between the Holy Spirit and an ungodly spirit is this. An ungodly spirit is, 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 is too forward in this way. It possesses people. It possesses. You see the, 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 the person who was possessed by the, the legion, right? He couldn't control himself. He was just going nuts. He was cutting himself. He was, he was uh, railing on. He was convulsing. He was doing all these things. He had spirits in him that were possessing, whereas the Holy Spirit is talked about as being an indwelling spirit. Not a possessing spirit, an indwelling spirit. What does that mean? It means he's a perfect gentleman. He will not go anywhere that you do not allow him. He doesn't possess you. He indwells you. So, we, so that means we have the ability to cut him off and not allow him to enter into the situations of our lives. We need to, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through us as his people. This is the will of God, all right, that you do not quench the Spirit. You don't despise prophecies, but test everything. Take the good, throw out the bad. Remember, throughout this letter, the emphasis has been on the will of God. This, uh, Paul is writing this to the, the Thessalonians, and he's saying, this is the will of God. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. All the information given, all the references to the end of the age, all the praise that Paul lavishes on the people is all centered around the will of God for his people. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the whole reason why I'm writing this book. And sanctification is simply living a godly life. So Paul ends with a hopeful encouragement that I want to extend to you today. He says this, verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. There it is again. The goal of this book, sanctification. Who's going to do it? God. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound 
and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Just let him. Don't get in his way. Don't quench it. Don't stamp it down. Don't put it out. Don't let it evaporate. Just let him do it. That's his whole thing. That's what he wants to do. He wants to fill you. He wants to use you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you hope. He wants you to live a life that you can be, uh, that you can be thankful for. He wants this to be your reality. So just don't get in his way is basically what he's saying here. It is God's will and great desire for you to stand before him blameless and sound in spirit, soul, and body. We don't have to twist his arm. We've got to be careful that we don't incorporate pagan thoughts into Christian theology. Well, I've got to get to give a certain amount of, do a certain amount of these things, and then if I, you know, if I sacrifice this thing over here, I can maybe, you know, bend his arm to my will. That's not how it works. He goes, it is my, what do you say? It's my joy to give you the kingdom. That's my joy. That's what I want to do. You don't have to bend my arm. You don't have to pull the strings. It's my joy. Just get out of the way. Just let me do what I want to do. Just live in relationship with me. He has done the work and will do the work. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have today to study these three things. Honor, thankfulness, and and being spirit-filled. God, I pray today that my brothers and sisters, this church would be an honorable church, that we would look at each other as people who are, are important towards the kingdom and the body of Christ. And then we would be people who, in all circumstances, would be thankful that we have this church, that we have the hope of glory, that we have one another, that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And because we have that, we can endure great things and still be thankful. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be spiritually discerning to the point that we open ourselves up to everything that you want for us, everything that your Spirit has for us. But Lord, that we would not be okay with what is not okay to you. Lord, that we would test things and embrace the good with all that we have and spit out the bad. Lord, I thank you that it's your job to do this, that you are faithful, that you who began a good work in my brothers and sisters and me will be faithful to to complete it till the day of the Lord, the day of salvation. So God, be with my brothers and sisters and help us to live for you who died for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for a moment? I want to read that last section to you this morning as a benediction as you go. Ready? So, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Go with God. God bless. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about New Life Church, check out our website at discovernewlife.org.